As the morning wore on, the heat grew worse. Everyone must have longed for noon, when activity would cease for three hours, and they would have dinner and the subsequent siesta, usually taken in a swinging hammock. Unfortunately, no one in Port Royal, or elsewhere on the island for that matter, took a siesta that day. But a large number of the island's inhabitants did go into a perpetual sleep. At twenty minutes before noon, disaster struck. The earth opened to swallow the world's most wicked and sinful city. A number of contemporary accounts of the disaster have survived, including the following from John Ufgris, a merchant of Port Royal. Betwixt eleven and twelve noon, I being at a tavern, we felt the house shake and saw bricks begin to rise in the floor, and at the same instant heard one in the street cry, An earthquake! Immediately we ran out of the house, where we saw all people with lifted up hands begging God's assistance. We continued running up the street, whilst on either side of us we saw the houses, some swallowed up, others thrown on heaps. The sand in the streets rise like waves of the sea, lifting up all persons that stood upon it, and immediately dropping into pits, and at the same instant a flood of water breaking in and rolling those poor souls over and over some catching hold of beams and rafters of houses, others were found in the sand that appeared when the water was drained away with their legs and arms out. The small piece of ground whereon sixteen or eighteen of us stood, praise be to God, did not sink. As soon as the violent shake was over, every man was desirous to know if any of his family were left alive. I endeavored to go to my house upon the ruins of the houses that were floating upon the water, but could not. At length I got a canoe and rowed upon the great sea towards my house, where I saw several men and women floating upon the wreck, possibly HMS Swan, out to sea, and so many of them as I could, I took into the boat and still rowed on, till I came to where I thought my house stood, but could not hear of either my wife nor family. So returning again to that little part of land remaining above water. But seeing all the people endeavoring to get to the island, I went amongst them in hopes I might hear of my wife or some part of my family, but could not. Next morning I went from one ship to another, till at last it pleased God I met with my wife and two of my negroes. She told me when she felt the house shake she ran out and called all the house to do the same. She was no sooner out but the sand lifted up and her negro woman grasping about her, they both dropped into the earth together, when at the very instant the water came in, rolled them over and over, till at length they caught hold of a beam, where they hung till a boat came from a Spanish vessel and took them up. According to most accounts, there were three strong quakes in a matter of several minutes, each one progressively more violent. The last and most severe was followed by a tidal wave, that broke the anchor cables of ships riding in the harbor, wrecked the ships near the wharves, and flung HMS Swan into the middle of town where it came to rest on top of some of the submerged houses and served as Noah's Ark for more than two hundred people. They were the lucky ones. The catalogue of horror, of lives lost and property destroyed, was seemingly endless. Disasters like this bring out the best in some men, and the worst in others. In Port Royal, the worst prevailed. One account by William Reed stated that the great disaster 
had so little effect upon some people here that the very same night they were at their old trade of drinking, swearing, and whoring, and indeed this place has been one of the lewdest in the Christian world, a sink of all filthiness and a mere Sodom. The lawless inhabitants of the town and many of the sailors from the ships behaved like savages, looting the houses still standing, driving away and even murdering their owners if they dared to protest. Many a man who had not owned the shirt on his back before the catastrophe became rich because of it. By the time the sun set that evening, all that remained of the infamous town was a mere ten acres out of an estimated twenty-five, once again separated from the Palisados by water. The toll of property destroyed by the upheaval was incalculable, but it was reckoned that more than two thousand people perished at once, and a larger number soon followed. 